Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about an article on nymag.com titled, The Best Two-Player Board Games According to Experts. How well did they do? What experts? We were not asked. So what changes or additions would we make? Oh, and if you want to read the entire article... The link is in our show notes. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SGC. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Okay, we should be upfront about this. This is literally the day after our last recording. <laughs> yep. um, our new episode dropped this morning. It did. And it was a great episode, I think. Um, there was a slight... I've- already forgotten it as though it was a week ago so you're welcome everyone i had fun with it it there i think it was kind of a it was a light-hearted episode uh with an editing snafu in the middle which i think i i, I that put was both not the sides. middle it was right in the beginning it was right in the beginning <laughs> but i did um i put both sides of our conversation in there so that it worked out really really well but that means that there wasn't an input thread for this particular episode simply because i had zero time to let anyone actually do input. So if you have a two-player game that you really like, by all means, let us know about it, and we will put it into our listener mail section. Also, we've done an episode on two-player games. It was a Valentine's Day episode way back when we had first started the podcast. It's You gave me several two-player games to play because I hadn't played any. Yeah, and or Ar- enough. And Arkham Horror words. was one of them, Arkham Horror the card game, and you you gave that back to me and be like, nope, too complex. Okay, to be fair, you gave it to me and said, so I gave you, I think you gave me that one, and you gave me um, Sherlock Holmes, one of the Holmes just, ones. Just Holmes, yeah. Just Holmes? Okay. Yeah. Which, and you said, I think you and Spencer will like this one, and I gave you this one to show you what a bad two-player game looks like, because <laughs> this was before you changed your mind about Arkham Horror, the living card game. This is true. That game is very intimidating when you've... Yeah, It's hard to learn. It is hard to learn. Once you learn it, it's like, it makes total sense. I mean, you can get really, really rules heavy in that thing. But it does make total sense once you know it. It's like, oh, this is not nearly as complicated as this 64-page rule book makes it seem. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not going to be talking about Arkham Horror the Card Game today. Um, I will say Keyforge. Yes, great two-player game. We will also not talk about that either because... I think we talk about it enough, but as a two-player game, Keyforge is the best. Um, all right, we so this article. Chess and checkers. <laughs> yes, we are. Checkers is ugh. chess is a great game. I think it's um, I it's sort of like Catan to me. I liked it when I was playing it, but now if I never play it again, that's okay. <laughs> Simple enough. All right, Kitty, why don't you tell us about this article? Because you're the one that found it, and then I just decided that hey, let's make a show topic out of it. So this article popped up on my Twitter feed. Um, I wish I could remember who linked to it. And they were like, wow, there's actually really good games on here. Um, I think the one that got called out was Tiny Towns was on this list. And that was like the new hotness. That's like a thing that everyone's been talking about in the gaming community. It's like, whoa, like a mainstream publication picked up this game this quickly. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I sent it on to you, thinking maybe it would be something we talk about on the news. And you were like, this isn't the kind of thing I do on the news, but we'll do it for TGT. <laughs> well, I do. And I avoid, like, the best blah, blah, blah games for the Dice Tower Listicles. news. Yeah, because there's every week there's, like, two or three uh, different articles on the best games of this or that or whatever. And they're, don't, they're not really newsworthy as much as they are just, like, eh, clickbaity. So- 
Yeah, they're the, the, that social section piece of websites, right? It's like, oh, here's a bunch of board games that you can look at. Um, so I see a lot of these lists too. And what I thought was different about this list than those is I don't see a single mass market game on here. Nope. And some of these games, unless you were a hobbyist, you'd have absolutely no idea like that they would exist. I haven't heard of a few of these. Well, I've heard of all of them, except for one. It's because you're better than me. And we it, all know. Well, it's, it's simply because <laughs> I spend more time on the podcast. Um, actually, no, I just spend more time buying games. Um, I think there is one here that is sort of mainstream, but we'll get to that in a second. So five gaming experts were consulted for this. And I wanted to know who these gaming experts were. And you have to really read the article to like pull them out. So I pulled them all to the top. And I'm just going to refer to them by their first name. Because if you know their whole names, you still have no idea who they are. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe this first one is Taryn. Is that how you would say Taryn. that? Taryn. That's how I'd say it. Yep. Mm-hmm. He is the inventory lead at Guardian Games. We have Greg, who is the owner of the Uncommons and Hexen Company. Scott, who is the owner of Blue Highway Games. Lauren, who is co-owner of 20-Sided Store, and Daniel, who is the owner of The Complete Strategist. So I am certain that these people have lots of institutional hobby knowledge, but is not they're not like um, mainstream media people. So this isn't going to reviewers and asking that. It's asking people who are just, you know, players and um, I guess... People in some- within the industry. Yeah, yeah. They're so. industry experts. And but more on the ground. Not... What? And more on the ground, like these, these are people that would, it. yeah, they would work yeah. with other, um, with, with customers walking in saying, Hey, what should I do? And what should I get? Or what would I like? And here, try this out. So I think that this is sort of like their personal experience with these games. All right. So let's get into this. Cause they split this into three sections, beginners, intermediates and advanced. Uh, their advanced game is advanced and it's just one game. And I, I'm not sure I would ever <laughs> recommend this to anyone, but. There's good reasons for that recommendation. So let's start with beginners. Uh, Fletcher, since you are our resident beginner, you get this section. So we're just going to go down. You're going to tell us, have you ever heard of it? Have you ever played it? And then we'll tell you what it's all about. Okay. So the first one is Patchwork. I have never heard of it and I've never played it. <laughs> I got this one for my mom. So, it sounds really interesting. When I read the article, I was like, this like, seems pretty fun. Carmen and I would definitely play this. I think Carmen would like this. Quite a bit. So Carmen is a very non-gamer. She's she's gamer open, yeah. But she's not. She wouldn't like. She's gamer out. curious. Gamer curious. Yeah. <laughs> is she even curious? I, I think you can persuade her to game. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, Kitty. Why don't you tell us about Patchwork? So Patchwork is a quilt themed game in which you draft tiles onto your quilt that are kind of Tetrisy tret. Yeah, that's a hard one to say. Tetris-like shapes. And you try to make the most complete quilt using the pieces available to you. In There's like a circle set up that you get to pick your pieces out of in a certain pattern. And you use buttons for currency. Yeah. Because buttons are cool. There's this cute little... It's almost like a rondelle selection where you're moving around a circle... To select your pieces. So you put all these Tetrisy pieces randomly around. Um, well, I, d- I don't think there's a main board. You each have a board, but randomly in a circle. And you it's kind of just a circle in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So then you keep moving forward to pick your pieces and you're kind of going around in a circle. Um, I really like Patchwork. I think I don't know if I still own it. 
They don't know if I, I have your copy. Oh, You're okay. welcome. That's what I said. <laughs> you can have it back if you want. <laughs> I don't remember seeing this in my collection recently, but it is a it is a really cool casual two player game. I say, and it's super super simple to learn. But it's one of those games that once you get done playing it, you're like, oh, let's. I want to do it again because I think I can get a better pattern, or I can do a better quilt, or oh, I didn't get that bonus scoring thing, and I was just one piece away from doing it, and yeah. Oh, there is a board in the middle. It's a button board. You're like, you're moving your buttons until you're trying to get in the center. I'm, I'm picturing it now. It's been a while since yes, I played it. Yes, but it is unrelated to the circle. Yes. All right. Next uh, one, Fletcher. So the next one is Codenames Duet. And I have I have not played this one. I have heard of like the Codenames. There's a bunch of different Codenames. I've played Codenames before, but I have not played this one. Kitty, have you played Duet? I have not played Duet. So go ahead, Chris. Tell us how it differs from regular code names and what it's all about. All right. I, as I talked about in the last episode, am not a huge fan of code names. However, code names duet, I do indeed like because it is a two player heads up. I, I guess you could play this in teams. I think there's like a team rule, although only, only one person's giving clues. But in regular code names, you are, you have, one person from each team giving clues to their team in this code name and the card that you're giving clues from or the grid that you're seeing, like what your blue clues are and red clues are is shared between those two teams in code in duet code names, duet, the card is double sided. So one side is trying to get you to guess certain words. Well, the other side is trying to get you guess different words and the kill word is different on both sides as well. So you, you're trying to get them to guess all of the words that you, like all your blue words without, with avoiding the kill word. And they're trying to get you to guess all their red words without avoiding the keyword, the kill word. And I think you also have like, there's a time limit. I believe there's some kind of, um, you only have so many turns to do it, but in a two player mode, it becomes this very, very different thing because now it's, you're like connected with that one other person. And the cool thing about Codenames Duet is if you have Duet, you can substitute in any of the other Codename cards and put those in place. So Codenames Duet obviously comes with with letters and or with words and such. But if you wanted to like put in Harry Potter or Marvel or any of the other there's Disney or there's like 50 Disney. other, <laughs> you can just substitute those cards in instead and still play with the Duet double-sided um clue cards i'm calling them clue cards i'm sure there's something different but but yeah i I like codenames i was banned from playing codenames disney anymore i was too good at it no one wants to play with me anymore (laughs) well it's only if you and your sister are playing on the same team though i Uh was banned in general later than that (laughs) i would have banned you all right (laughs) so the next the next one is hive and I think I actually might have played this before because when I was reading the description of the game, I was like, this seems familiar, but it's been a long, long time if I have played it. Kitty, you've probably never played this, even though I've owned it. I don't think I have not played it. I have made you play it. This game is one that I, um, I got Sydney for, we were very, very early in our dating. I think it might have been for her birthday or maybe no, I think it was for Valentine's Day actually. Cuz we were both How in romantic. the Well, we we're both in the games, right? So, and she really likes ladybugs. And there's a ladybug expansion to Hive. So, and there's a pocket version of Hive. So I'm like, "Okay, let's go out to a restaurant and I will get um I was going to get her, well, I did get her the pocket version of Hive with the ladybug expansion." And we played that at Valentine a fancy restaurant downtown 
you know, playing Hive. But what Hive is, it is the pieces are really cool. They're hex pieces. There's I don't want to say ceramic, but there's some kind of like hard, like heavy plastic. Like plastic, yeah, yeah. But it's a heavy plastic. It's not just like this light plastic. So this impervious to damage, essentially. It's a, it's a perfect like restaurant game. There's no board, and but basically what you're trying to do is surround the other person's queen. And you have different insects that make different types of moves. Some can move around the outside. Some of them can, you know, jump over. Some of them can go on top and then, you know, skip to a different place. And that's really the complexity is you, you learn what each of the bugs do. And then with the expansions, it's usually a new bug that can do something else. So the ladybug has its own way of moving. And that's it. There's, and it's just really, really thinky. Like there's, I think I read someplace that Hive was, when it was first created, there were a lot of people saying this is like the chess killer. Like that's what they were like <laughs> saying what Hive could be. And the complexities of it are of that level where you could play this game over and over. It's a full open knowledge, everything. It's like there's no hidden in anything. But the strategies in this game are just kind of infinite. And yeah, if you haven't checked out Hive, but you like these two-player kind of open strategy games. Actually, I don't know if it's strategy or tactics. It's probably both. Um, that Hive is worth definitely checking out. And it's inexpensive. And like I said, it's the perfect restaurant game for two people. Yep, because they are made of resin. Resin. If you read the article I that did, we were talking about, I did read the article, but I just didn't <laughs> memorize all of the ones that I knew about already. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last of the beginner series. Uh morels as in mushrooms i have yes. not heard of this and i have not played it this is another game that has migrated from chris's collection into mine <laughs> this sounded actually pretty fun i would like to play this it is one of my eight unplayed games really <laughs> All right. it has been sitting on my shelf for so long and i just haven't been able to get spencer excited about mushrooms but now <laughs> i feel like i have a new like push we had other games too that have been played since, and I don't so just didn't make it. <laughs> up until literally a week ago, before I read this article, I had not played this. But I was playing, I think, Shards of Infinity on the iPad. And it had a link to this as another one of their games. So I'm like, you know something? I had that in my collection for a really long time. I don't know where it is, but I'm going to try this out. <laughs> <laughs> If ever you think like, oh, I used to have this game. I wonder where it went. There are like only two choices and it's my collection or Gen Con. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Although we went to the library today for the first time and our local library is awesome. They have a laser cutter that is just free to use. And so you can like etch things into glass and all that stuff. And they have a 3D printer that you pay really? by like 10 cents a gram and you just give them the file and they let you know when it's done. It's like yeah. amazing. It's so cool. My dad loves the... Uh, so my dad is a librarian, and they also have a 3D printer. They printed the um, Iron Throne for the Game of Thrones uh, nice. premiere, and my dad was cracking us all up. I don't know if anyone else thinks this joke is funny, but they 3D printed a tiny Iron Throne. He's like, what is this, a throne for ants? It needs to be at least three times bigger. <laughs> well, to get back to what I was saying, why I was going there, it's like, that's the third place I would think I'm going to bring games is donate them to the library. So only yeah. specific kinds of games I would donate to the library. Easy to learn, quick to play type of stuff. But so back to Morels. This is a mushroom set collection game. 
And the way this works is there are different mushrooms in a deck, and you're going to have, I believe, five or six uh, that you're going to pick from. And the one on the right, well, the two on the right are free. You can just pick those. But as you go further left, you need to use little, like, you know, seeking sticks to try to find the mushrooms. When you have three mushrooms or more, you can turn them in for points. And you need to cook those. You you put them in a pan and you cook them. And you can cook them with butter. And there's a few other things that you can put together that give you more points. So, and that gets them out of your hand because your hand has a certain hand limit. When you, if you only have two or more mushrooms, you can turn them in for more of those seeking sticks. So it's like some mushrooms are just really rare. So it's like, well, they're just, this is filling my hand. I'm not ever going to be able to use it. So I'll use these sticks so I can get other mushrooms. Each time that someone drafts a mushroom, the mushrooms slide over and there becomes a mushroom in a pile of four, up to four. So it's one, two, three, four. And then once it hits four and it's going to be a fifth one, they'll get all discarded. And you can take that pile whenever you want. But there are bad mushrooms that will lower your hand size if you get that. There's also baskets that will increase your hand size. And you just play until you run out of cards to draw. And that's the game. It's really kind of fun. There's a lot of I mean, I don't want to say strategy, but there's it's different every time you play it. And it's another one of those games where it plays fast enough where once you're done, you're like, wait a minute, I got to try it again because I, I can do better. I know I can do better. So I've only been playing it on the iPad against AI, but I, I would play this in real life now. You can have your copy back after I play it in real life. <laughs> <laughs> play it in real life. See if you like it. I actually do this thing where I rarely, once I go to the iPad, I rarely go back to the physical version. Because I'm like, oh, I can play it on the iPad now. And I don't know if I should feel guilty about that or not. But Does since- the iPad have the ability to play two-player, like pass and play? Yep. Or is it just against it? Okay. Yep, well, do- then, yeah. Yeah, you can do pass and Forget play. Forget it. I- I'm keeping it. <laughs> I think this one might even have uh, network play as well. Not all of them do, but I think this one might. Mm, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um. Nope. Forgot what I was going to say. Well, you are up for intermediate games, which... These ones get a little trickier as far as what they are. I'm not familiar with this first one, but I think like this is just either a shopping list or a list of games I need to pull out that I already own. So The Fox in the Forest. This is a two-player trick-taking game. Yep. Which is crazy because typically when you think trick-taking game, you think at least four people. There is a trick-taking game. Oh, that's a great question. Kitty, what is a trick-taking game? Um, have you ever played Spades, Hearts? Euchre? Uh, I think so, yeah. So when everyone plays a card into the middle and the highest, lowest, or trump, whatever it is, takes the trick. Takes all the that cards. That is a trick-taking game. They take uh, all the cards and they score based on what they've taken. Ah, it's like War. <laughs> Actually, yes. yes, War is a two-player trick-taking game. But yes. War is a two-player trick-taking game where the players don't actually have to participate. Right. There's no control. There's, There's no, no control. strategy. Right. Yeah. But apparently the fox in the forest, that's not the case. However, I've never played this game. I've only heard great things about it or fascinating things about it. I was like, this is a two-player trick-taking game that people seem to like. What's this all about? How have I missed this? I d- like, so it. this is a hard part of coming into the hobby is that it's easy to pick up knowledge about new games. But sometimes you feel like the games that came out like a year or two before you joined, you know, the cool kids, you can miss out on them entirely. Well, that's why these lists are kind of cool. Like Hive is a dozen plus years old, at least, and maybe even older. Um, Morales is actually fairly old. Codenames and Patchwork, I think, came out around the same time. 
Uh, Fox in the Forest is, uh, I want to say, two years. But yeah, like then, that's so why I like these I lists, and I like looking at. I was a part of this. I don't know. <laughs> I like these lists. It's fun sometimes. So the next one on this list is definitely not something old or missed. It is Tiny Towns, something that Chris will not stop talking about <laughs> because it's so good. Um, and the article actually mentions available for pre-order. So it is actually available in stores now, and I believe it is now available online as well. And so I like this one so much that I accidentally started making YouTube videos the other day. And (laughs) (laughs) so if you want to see Tiny Towns played, you can... Well, I'll put a link in the show notes, but it is... I, I created a new channel called Table Talk Play Along. No, tabletop play along. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, where it's just me literally playing a game against myself. Because we were talking about it. And I'm like, oh. And I had a camera set up. I, I did a Kickstarter video for a game called Fickle that's going to be on Kickstarter in a couple weeks. Um, and so like, I have all the setup there. I'm just going to play Tiny Towns and record that and see how that works. So it actually this was kind of fun. So if you want to see Tiny Towns getting played, you can check that out. But in a nutshell, this is a four by four grid resource management building game. There are, I'm going to count in my head, I think seven different buildings that you can build. And each one has a different pattern that is made up of different colored resources. And there's five different resources. And so, for example, a cottage will have, you need a red resource, a blue on a corner, and then a yellow resource. So it's kind of like a angle shape. And you have to have that pattern somewhere on the board. Once you have it there, you can build a cottage and you remove those three pieces and you put a cottage piece down in one of those areas. You continue to go back and forth naming resources. And with Tiny Talents actually plays up to four, so or, or up to six, actually. So you continue to go around naming resources. And you just everyone places the same resource each time. You're trying to optimize the points based on the buildings that you have access to. The buildings are random every time. So there's four different possible buildings or building effects for each building shape. And it it plays really quick. I this one I'm enamored with. I think that they need to put out an expansion relatively quickly because even only having like the combinations there's a ton of them, but only four of each building you're going to run out of, you know, tactics to try pretty quickly. But I by pretty quickly it just means cuz you've played the game like 50 times and you're like, "Okay, give me something, give me something more." But you're going to want to play the game 50 times. Like it's it's that good or just so easy and and fun, but really, really thinky as well. So that's Tiny Towns. And I have to agree, as far as two players concerned, a six player that scales great because everyone is, like takes their turn at the same time. So a two player game and a six player game take up the same amount of time. So I will stop talking about Tiny Towns. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next on the list, we have Haven. I know so nothing about a... this. I've never heard of it either. I had never. No, that's not true. I had heard of it, but I had never really paid very much attention to it. It is a um, Ryan Lockett game. And, of course, it gets called out for being very immersive in the story. And, of course, it is, because that's what Ryan Lockett's games do. But he only, looks, did, he only did the art. He published it. He, and he only did the, did the art, art. I was going to say, it looks just like the same style as Near and Far, Above and Below. What was the new one that was just on Kickstarter that... It's gone um, from my ancient mind now. Ancient Worlds? No. Because I just got Ancient Worlds, but it was a Ryan Lockett game. And 
Oh. No, this is like it just finished on Kickstarter. Ugh, this is going to kill me. Um, so he only did the art, really. Yep. Because... The designer is Elf Sergert. Seagert. Seagert, I think. Seagert. Yep. I'm going to Seagert. So this is a intense battle strategy game that pits players one-on-one, challenging them to either attack or protect woodland creatures that live in a fantastical forest. Seems fun. It does seem more, I guess, um, head-to-head then I would imagine something that is more in the world of above and below or near and far would be. Yeah, it is strictly so. a two-player game. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to the description on BGG right now. You and your opponent battle for control of a mystical forest. The uh, Haven Guardian, Spirit of the Forest, sleeps deeply and can no longer protect its kingdom. One of you controls the city in an effort to mas- master the vulnerable forest using stone lore and machines. The other plays as the forest and its cap- creatures who defend their home with the aid of leaf lore and forest spirits. So... This one, like I said, if you like Ryan Lockett art and you're into two-player games, I don't know how this one slipped under my radar either, because we're usually pretty up on Red Raven games. I was going to say, yeah, it's from a publisher we... I don't know. I think it's because things that don't go through Kickstarter sometimes fly under our radar, because that's where we do a lot of our Yeah, and this was stuff. published last year. This is a 2018 game. Well, it was before we took over Dice Tower News. So I think we're going to miss less and less of this kind of stuff. Good point. You are right. This was before we took over Dice Tower News. Mm-hmm. All right. And the last one, which I think we all... Well, I don't know if Fletcher cares about this one, but we'll find out. I This one looks interesting to me. The last on our list is Caper, which I read the description. I was like, add to cart. <laughs> I got a uh, Mother's Day Amazon gift card, which I've now spent on all these two-player games. <laughs> so Caper is described as a two-player clue. Although I guess it looks like it plays two to four players. Um, you plays over six rounds with a colorful, quirky design that combines card drafting and set collecting with area control. Players are met with a challenging decision, such as drafting particular thieves, giving them ge- specific gear, and stealing precious works of art. The game changes depending on what city you're playing in, giving you your new, giving you unique ways to play every time. I don't know if that's like physical city or not, but. <laughs> You have to move cities. <laughs> it says that you you play it and uh, you steal from popular places across Europe. Is the uh, is what it's, it's Pokemon saying. Go? <laughs> it's Pokemon, yeah, <laughs> Pokemon Go Europe. And this was also released last year, twenty eighteen. So, We've been missing so much. I know this one. I really kind of want to pick this up, and I like the art style here. It's this kind of uh, I don't. It's a style that you instantly recognize, but have no explanation for. What no? was that? It looks like a Wes Anderson movie. Okay. I'm right. Gonna, I'm gonna give you sure. Doesn't it look kind of like Grand Budapest Hotel? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Little Royal Tenenbaums thrown in there. I can see that. Yeah. So, and it's the uh, the card. They described it as a card drafting whodunit. So I like card drafting. I like whodunits. I like Clue. I don't like Clue's whole roll and move thing. But this one doesn't have a roll and move. It looks like it's mostly just all cards. So. I'm. I may have to check this out for sure. You said you've already bought it. You, if it is unbreakable, because Clue is the worst for if you get a lucky guess right out of the gate. <laughs> like, oh, I just won the game with that's it. Well, <laughs> and that's always the spiteful player too. It's like I don't want to be playing Clue, so I'm just going to make this guess. Oh, I won, great. Or oh, I lost. Okay, well, I'm going to go sit over here and play Switch for the rest of the day. 
we were playing on New Year's Eve one year, and um, my brother-in-law's good friend, just the first guess of the game was it. We were all just like looking at each other like, wait, really? You don't know what? And it was just then a roll and move race to the center. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, so they, because you have to guess, you're making a guess at the beginning of saying, yeah. hey, prove me wrong when I say this. And okay. I, all right, fine. That was not a spiteful play. That was just a purely. <laughs> no, it wasn't a spiteful move. play. It was a total coincidence, <laughs> but still, it was kind of fun. It's something we still talk about, like, you know, six years later. All right. The last game on this list. And the only one that goes in your category in in the, the the advanced category, and this is correctly placed, and it is should be among a game of best two player games for a number of different reasons. Not because I would ever want to play it, but because <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. I've tried playing this so many times, and I just can't get past it. So we're talking about Twilight Twilight Struggle. This has been considered the best two-player game for quite some time. And while it... I, I don't know if it still maintains that. On BGG, it says that it is number five overall. So of all games ever made, it's number five. It's the number one war game and number eight strategy game. And as far as two-player games, I think in the overall, this is probably the highest because it's just a two-player game. So Twilight Struggle is, in 1945, unlikely allies toppled Hitler's war machine while humanity's most devastating weapons faced the Japanese empire to it, or forced the Japanese empires to its knees in a storm of fire. So basically this is um, a two-player game over World War II, I'm going to say with my history knowledge of, it sounds like that, Japanese in 1945. Um, Hitler and all that stuff. Um, the game play time is about three hours. Holy crap. And yep. the game learn time is about four to six hours from my experience. I'm certain that once you know the game, it's great. Sydney swears by this. She's like, this is a great game. We need to play this sometime. I'm like, um, okay. And then if you look at images on BGG, this, it, it's a lot of cards. Every card's unique. And that's that's super cool. Like, there's a ton of cars, and every one of them is like a unique event. There's a world map, and there's like little statistics in each different country, and there's all these little bits and pieces you're going to be moving around. And it looks like it's just an amazing game that I couldn't wrap my head around. But I agree with those people who think that this is the best game ever for two players. I cannot disagree with them because... Who am I to argue with everybody else? Does this have a board and everything? Or? It does. It has a okay. Yep. So like so, Axis and Allies. Uh, yes, but without any plastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically these quarter inch like little chits that have different symbols on them, and each country has two different places that you can put these in and each one's worth a different amount of points and it's area control i believe i'm 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 not doing this justice and people are going to get mad at me for talking about this without having any idea what i'm talking about let's just say this article in new york magazine has put twilight struggle as one of the best two-player games that out there which is a just a cool thing as it of itself because this is purely a hobbyist game and i i'm glad to see this as part of that list and maybe if somebody wants to teach me this at a convention, 
I will set aside a couple hours and we can play Twilight Struggle. I even have it on the iPad. I couldn't get through it on the iPad. I, I tried. Wow. That's saying something for I, you. I tried so much. I, I tried. But that's okay. what you said about Arkham Horror, the living card game, for so long. It's true. And I think like any game where once you get past the learning the rules, you can get, actually have fun playing the game as opposed to trying to learn the game. So that might just be my thing. Maybe Twilight Struggle is just a game that you have to learn from someone else. Who's going to destroy you because it's a very tactical game. It's like, teach me how to play this so I can be destroyed in hopefully less than three hours. <laughs> All right. So what do we think? I, I think overall, I really like this list. I don't disagree with anything on it. I don't know if these are like, would be the top nine games, I would say for two players. But I also don't have any of these where like, why would that ever be on this list? No comment. I'm sorry, I was looking for the show notes for our last two-player games episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long way back. Yeah. Long way back. Fletcher, are any of these games... Well, you mentioned a couple that you might be interested in. Which... Yeah, Patchwork and uh, Morel. Morels. Not Twilight Imperium? Uh, I don't think I could get Carmen to sit still <laughs> for three hours. You can uh, borrow Chris's copy of both of those games from me. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I still have... Eh, I don't think I have Twilight Struggle in my collection anymore. Actually... I mean, that may have been a Gen Con game. Tiny Towns also sounds super interesting. I would like to play that game. Because I, I watched a... Uh, I think it was... I forget which one it was, but I watched it today on YouTube. But it was explaining the game. Uh, it was... Oh, it was the Dice Tower um, guy. Yeah, Tom Bassel? Yeah, Tom Bassel. And uh, he was going through how to play the game. And it described it as like... It's kind of like bingo in a way. And he talked about it and I was like, okay, this seems really cool. And he kind of played it because everybody is like calling out things and you, ha it's like a placement game with bing, like bingo. You're like placing things on a board. Yeah. I can't say it's anything like bingo. Well, I mean, just because you have the grid and you're placing things on a grid and people uh, are calling out. It's just like it. Yahtzee. All right. It's not just like Yahtzee. <laughs> and that's like an inside joke from too long ago. You can't bring that back. I, I will. I see why Tiny Towns is like bingo. <laughs> because, yes, you're right. You're calling out different pieces. And as soon as you get the pieces in the right order, you're like, bingo, I can build a building. Yes. Fine. All right. I'll give it to you. Um, Kitty, episode 25 was our couples game episode. Oh, that's why it wasn't coming up in my searches, because it was couples games. Yep. So for those who are interested... I still have all the episodes all the way back to episode zero in the feed. And every once in a while, the feed gets too big. And then the new episode doesn't post. Like two weeks ago, the episode didn't post like till nine o'clock because I had to go in and clean the feed and optimize it to, so that it would actually go out there. So if you want to listen to some of those early episodes, do it now. Well, they're still in existence because I may have to pull those off into a different thing. Maybe I'll we'll put like... It'll be Patreon content. <laughs> yeah, I could live in Patreon <laughs> or Tabletop Game Talk Classics and just have a whole completely separate feed. You can listen to it again, like for the first time. All right. Fletcher, what is your favorite two-player game? You know, I don't know if I really have one um, because uh, Carmen got a game. I forget if it was a gift, like gifted to us or if she bought it or something like that. And um, it's called, I have it behind me here. Spirit of the Wild. I am unfamiliar. And you're unfamiliar with that one? I am, but I'm I'm BGGing it as we speak, so continue. So it's called Spirit of the Wild, and it's 
kind it it is fun it's a fun game but there is one mechanic in there that, there's specifically one card in there where if you pull this card on your turn it's like you're guaranteed to win the game the object is you have to like collect get the most points you have there's three rounds and you have to get the most points and it's it's a you have to draw these gems from you know a communal kind of bowl and like place them to get points so you're saying this game is bad because it's basically bad so if it wasn't for that one card it would be good it would be a good game but because of this one card is so powerful um it, it the card essentially allows you to take an additional turn and remove gems from the other player's board, which is basically like them losing a turn. So essentially you go like three times in a row. Oh, and there is like, it's really hard to come back from that. If, if you're the player that it's used against, um, have you thought about removing that card? You, you can remove the card, but then there's only like three special cards. There's only four total. (laughs) So then there's only three. Um, you're supposed to do it like in two piles. So there's like two special cards up at one point in time. You buy these. And then when you buy the card, it goes like face down into another pile. So then there's always like two face up ones. So it kind of like ruins the mechanic a little bit. That's disappointing because it actually looks really cool. The components look cool on it as well. The components are really good. And every, like the, the quality and the artwork is all really nice. Um, I might have to like home rule this to be like, you can go again, but you don't actually get to like, you know, remove, you don't get to remove gems. You can do, you can do one or the other. You can't do both. Right. You can do one or the other because it's too powerful. Like I showed her, I was like, okay, now this time, like, don't like, cause she kept winning cause she kept drawing this card. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this time I'm going to like, just go for broke and then go for this card. And I got the card and then I won. And it's like, because this card is too, it's too powerful. Well, it is, it is not terribly rated, um, but it looks, like I said, it looks really nice. This is usually what ends up happening is like these types of games. I'll go to the forums and I'll be like, let's see, what is, you know, what's, what's the issue? Are they having the same problem that I'm having with this or whatever? And they don't seem to say anything about this card is broken, but, um, I'm not really looking all that deep. So you don't have a favorite two player game because this game is terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it has ruined all two player games for you. It has ruined all two no. Um she's like, yeah, do you want to play that game? I'm like, nah, I don't really want to play this game. It's 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 broken. It's broken for me. So Well, we might have a couple others that are worth trying out. So Kitty, what is your first two player game that we're gonna recommend to Fletcher? So are Fletcher we and limiting Carmen. ourselves to exclusively two-player games or are we going with their rule of it is a good game for two players but can play more um or less let's let's start out with exclusive but i don't want to limit it because your first one that you have listed here is a two-player game it just has an option for three players which is a bad option so i (laughs) like i think this is a two-player game regardless of what the box says I think it's a great two-player game this is uh santorini yes santorini is a super fun beautiful game fun to get to the table gorgeous fun little building block kind of a game it's one of my favorites it made it on my 250 list it has been one of my favorite like it's one that i can get spencer to play which is great 
Yeah. It's an abstract game where you're trying to basically just build a tower for pieces high. You move your piece. Well, you need to get to the top of your tower, yes. too. Yep. You oh, right. need to be the one to get to the top of your four-piece tower. You, it's well, got kind of a, a tic-tac-toe, but 3D, and it's four instead of three. Yeah. Well, you are the fourth piece, because someone can cap a tower with a fourth piece, and then that blocks it. But you want to be the fourth piece on top of the tower. So you just move, you place a piece, and that's it. You can jump down any distance. You can jump up one space. And you have two little pieces on there. It's every game you play of this, at the end, you want to take a picture of it and put it on Instagram, if you do that whole Instagram thing. <laughs> it is very Instagrammable. Yeah, because it just looks gorgeous. And you can play it straight vanilla with no powers, but the game is actually best with asymmetric player powers. So you'll have one way of breaking the rules. The god powers. The god power <laughs> that you have, right. And there's so many different ones. So, And it is totally abstract. It doesn't need a theme, but the theme works so well and it's so fun. It makes it so much more fun that it's the Greek city of Santorini and it has the blue domes. And when you look at your board, it looks like the city. And it's, you know, the Greek gods are your god powers. And it's fun. Yeah. I like these. These are themed abstracts, which are kind of, I guess it's an oxymoron. But it it really is, like, it could be a full abstract. You don't need a theme on here. But without the theme, the game would be a quarter of what it is now. Like, yeah. playing it, it just, it pulls you in. It looks cool. Yes. I highly, highly recommend. recommend it. Like, nobody that I know, if you like Tic-Tac-Toe or Connect 4... Like connect, it's more of like that connect a three D connect four type of thing. Yeah. So it makes you think, but it doesn't make you think so hard that you are get frustrated with it. And it plays fast enough that even if you are playing, 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 and you miss something, you're like, "Oh, I missed it," and you lose. You're like, "Well, let's just play again. Let's just play right. again real quick." And yep. that's that's a sign of a great game to me is like when you finish it, you lose and you're still like, Oh, I just want to play again. I know I can do it. If we just play again. So my first game that I'm going to say, I love, and this is because it shocking to everyone in the universe. It it has to be my favorite two player game. Uh, It's perfect for restaurants and traveling. It's light. It's easy. It's indestructible for the most part. Um, We'll see if it lives up through a two year old in two years from now, but that's Homeworlds from uh, Looney Labs Pyramid Arcade. And you can get the pyramids much cheaper than the whole Pyramid Arcade, which I think is like a 70-some dollar retail box for this one game in it. But um, there's actually 22 games in that box and a bunch more There are 22 games. There's really infinite games in that box. Yeah. Episode 13. It's really fun. Yep. Listen to our episode 13 all about the Pyramid Arcade box, and I'll talk more about Homeworlds there. But um, yeah, this is just a two-player abstract game, uh, boardless, chess-like you're trying to get rid of your opponent's homeworld. And there's four rules. I guess there's four four moves and then two special rules. And that's it. And then everything else just comes out of what the players do. Um, on my new channel, Tabletop Play Along, I'm going to do this one next. Because I've been wanting to do a YouTube video of this one for a long time. Because there's just not enough out there about this game. And so by the time this airs... I may already have that up there, too. So you can check it out. I'll put a link. Don't give me that look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I fell asleep because that's what happens every time you talk about this game. Uh, Fletcher, have I made you pay this game? No, you sh- you only you showed it to me, but I have not played it. All right. We'll play it sometime. Stop falling asleep, Kitty. Fine. Give me one of your games. It's far more exciting. 
It's not. It's Mastermind. Boring. <laughs> it's a totally fun game. I love this game. I think it's a great two-player, fun guessing game, deduction, straight code-making, code-breaking. You pick your line of dots that you're trying to get the other player to be stumped by your code. Uh, you it's know what? a really straightforward mass market. Anyone can get their hands on it. I think it's like $10 game. You look like you're thinking about something, Fletcher. Yeah, so you just <laughs> reminded me of a two-player game that I actually really like, and I haven't played in a while, but I used to play it a lot. It's well, before called... you say that, yeah. I just want to say Decrypto is a great version, similar, well, not at all like Mastermind, but some people have compared it to it. It's Codenames and Mastermind if they had an amazing offspring, but it plays three plus. But Decrypto is amazing. How many does um, Zendo play? Uh, Zendo can be, I think it can be two up. So, Because I also enjoy Zendo. It's Mastermind-like, but with more combinations of bits. All right, Fletcher, your turn. Sorry. Um, so the game I'm thinking of is called Black Box. Have you ever heard of this game? Just recently. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, I think Ludology did an episode on this. This is the one where you put balls in a box and you kind yes. of uh, like, and then you have to like, the other person has to figure out where the, the placement are of these marbles essentially in this yep. box. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like based on the scientific method of, you know, we know what, what we're doing and we know the results and we have to figure out what's in the middle to like come yes. up with that. Yeah. And it sounds really, really so, cool. There's an app. There's an app really. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. The, the game, the idea is really fun. So like one player, it's kind of like mastermind in a way where like one person comes up with like some kind of pattern. Um, but this pattern is in a 2d grid and they place these marbles in this 2d kind of grid and then the other person is you can essentially think of it as like shooting lasers and there's a couple of different outcomes it's like one is like you shoot this laser like through this 2d grid and it could either like come out the other side it like hits a marble directly it deflects off a marble so then it comes off like you know on the other side somewhere um or it can free it can like bounce around and reflect in different in interesting ways and like come off like a, a you know some other side and you forget exactly if you're like turn limited or something like that but essentially you have to guess where all these marbles are um in this like 2d grid um and it's really fun i remember really liking it yeah i might have to get the app on this one because it does sound pretty cool all right i used to play next- this game a lot with my dad <laughs> and and it's a 1977 game it looks like it's from the 70s. Yeah. Well, and and those types of games are great for young kids as well, because you you think you're playing a game, but really what you're doing is developing like deductive reasoning skills. And it's like, oh, man, you tricked me into being smart. What happened there? It's kind of like I a better it. version of Battleship. Yeah. Yes. Because Battleship is just, I'm going to throw darts blindfolded until I sink a, a ship. And yeah. The only game of Battleship I enjoyed was the one they played on um, the Grand Tour with cars and cranes. <laughs> I like that the movie. That was fun. Um, that might be the only person. You and my mom. <laughs> the speaking, only people. <laughs> speaking of things from space, my next 
most favorite two-player game is a game that I have yet to be able to complete in less than five hours, but that's because Sydney <laughs> is so very slow at taking her turn, but it's still engaging because it's always two players, so you always feel like you're involved. And in fact, we've never played this in one sitting. We've always had to play this over two nights, and that is Star Wars Rebellion. I love this game. I doesn't hit the table nearly as much as I would like it to because, again, it's a really long game when we play it, but this is a game that it's it's cinematic in its way of like telling stories and you can just kind of feel like it's not the movies it's not reproducing the movies but it is producing its own story and the way this works is one side takes on the um the basically the rebels and you're trying to hide mm-hmm. in your base and you're trying to essentially raise support for you so that the empire falls because you have enough support of the empire to rise up against them and the Empire is trying to track down the Rebel base and destroy it before the Rebels have enough time to raise, you know, this... I, I forget. I think it's some kind of influence thing. But it's not a combat game. Like, Rebels can't fight back against the Empire. They're going to lose every time. But you still have ships that you're going to be moving around. And it's some defense stuff. It's just... Oh, it's so, so good. So do you always play the Empire? Or is that just how I imagine it? No, Sydney will not let me play it. I've only ever played the Rebellion <laughs> because I keep winning as the Rebellion. And she's like, no, oh, I'm going to keep playing the Empire. The Empire. How weird. I, I would be totally fine with it. She's like, no, I'm going to keep playing the Empire <laughs> until I win. And I'm like, are you sure? You don't want to like switch around, like get, get a different perspective. It might be easier to, you know, win if you know what the hell the Rebellion plays. She's like, no, I shall play the Empire. So now I'm just going to start hearing that music every time Sydney walks in the room. Dun, 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 dun. Wait, dun, is that? Dun, 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 dun. I think you were doing like a funeral march. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> They're very similar. It's like, okay, whatever. All right, one more before we go to listener mail. One more from each of you. I have two more. <laughs> <laughs> Pick one. Or talk about them at the um, same time. Because they're the same game. Well, I was going to go with the my other. Uh, so, Azul and Sagrada. All right. Are... We'll go with this. Um, they are both games where you are trying to make your own either mosaic or stained glass window. You are drafting, and that is the interaction with the other player, but mostly you're just kind of doing your own thing, trying to make your picture pretty in the way that scores you points. Very fun. Enjoy them both. I'd say I like Azul better than Sagrada, but they're both really fun, really pretty games. I would agree. I definitely think I like Azul better than Sagrada. I think, yeah. And I could see them as two-player games. I mean, they're not two-player games, but like playing them as two players, they, they play fast, and you can you could get a couple games in pretty quickly if it's a two-player game. They are both games that you can play very easily two players. They fit really well. You have enough interaction with two players that it feels like because I don't like, uh, I know Sagrada has a solo version, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, and I don't remember if Azul, I think Azul is a two to four. Yeah. So. Fletcher, do you have another one? I don't. All right. Then we'll do these last two. Kitty and mine, we have two listed. They're they're basically yeah. kind of in the same realm. Mine is Holmes, but which is really. a pure two-player game. And yours is Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, which is not a pure two-player game. but Not it's even a, close. But it's a co-op. It's- yeah, and it plays, I think, best at two players. I think most of these mystery games play best at two players. I have um, uh, Chronicles of Crime 
which can, I mean, technically it can play any number of players, but once you get past two, everyone else is just a spectator. Yeah, I completely agree. With Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, I honestly, it can be fun solo, but it falls into the really easy to cheat pitfall of solo games is like, well, did you just go look at the solution? Are you keeping yourself honest here? I think that that's the real part of having a second player in Consulting Detective is, are we playing this in the right spirit of the game? Yeah. Well, and also, it, there's a story there. And being able to share that story with someone else is is like a key to really enjoying these kinds of games. Yes, for sure. All right. Are we ready to go to listener mail? This is our two-player, best best two-player games episode. Um, we, we started with an article, then this is what we would have added to that article if we could. Um, Fletcher would have said, two-player games are dumb. Only three-player <laughs> games. <laughs> He added Black Box. He did. And I, I think that's a game. I'm going to check out the app because that sounds like yeah. a lot of fun to me. All right. Am I going first here? Uh, Sure. Okay. We have some feedback from Grant on playing against yourself. When I first heard this topic, I was very skeptical. But then I had an epiphany. Back when I... Back in the fall, I tried to get into the Game of Thrones living card game. The problem was it was hard to explain people, mainly because I was still trying to figure it out. Time went on, I was buying more cards, listening to podcasts, looking up deck lists, yet I still did not know how to play a full match. And wait, Two problem- uh, one second here. Um, Grant, if you're listening to the White Book podcast, it's a great podcast, but really only after you've been playing for about six years. So just stop listening to that podcast. <laughs> um, I, 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 I had to stop listening to it, too, because I'm like, I want to learn about Game of Thrones. And these guys are like the experts at it. But they talk about it at like a graduate level. And if you're new to the game, they're just going to confuse you more than anything else. So anyway, continue. Two problems were in effect. One was that my free time is limited with kids. And the other is that I had very few people to play with. So when I heard about playing against yourself, my brain started going. I made two accounts um, at the... The Iron Throne. Throne. Yep, the Iron Throne.net, which is an online site, fan site, where you can play the Game of Thrones living card game. My brain turned that I into an L. (laughs) The Iron Throne.net. Okay. And got out two laptops and played against myself. So when everyone was sleeping, I played Stark versus Targaryen matchup almost until midnight. I found it to be very helpful and definitely, I found this to be very helpful and it definitely was as I played two games by learning the interactions of both decks. I made moves based on what was best for the particular house, but it was hard to stay impartial to a side. Now I have a much better understanding of the rules and we'll play it a few more times before I really get the hang of it. Thank you for the suggestion. I think Game of Thrones is another one of those games that is, it is doable. There's a lot of hidden information because it's a card game and the way he's doing it here where he's basically letting the computer handle that hidden information back and forth. I think that works out pretty well. And if I remember correctly, I don't think Game of Thrones, either it doesn't have any interruptions or it doesn't it has them in very specific places so it's not like you're you have to interrupt every single thing um i should know that it's been a while since i've i've played it but yeah i i, I agree all right from johnny i'm glad we could help <laughs> yes <laughs> i think everyone should do it like i say watch my my youtube channel and i i don't know why i'm pushing it so hard because i'm just having fun doing it but this is me doing exactly that playing against myself and this is if you want to get an idea of what i'm doing like just watching a couple minutes of that, you're like, oh, okay, I see that. It's not interesting to me. I don't want to continue watching it, but I understand what's going on, I guess. 
Are Fletcher and I allowed to guest star on this YouTube channel, or is it just for you? You can guest star. You just have to come to my place to do the recording. Excellent. All right. From Johnny on eBay versus Geek Market from our industry disruptors. Disrupt disruptors. From our industry disruptor (laughs) episode. (laughs) Industry disruptors episode. He says, Chris mentioned eBay versus Geek Market. And if I recall, liked eBay more. Mostly maybe due to the lack of Geek Market experience. I can confidently say that after more than 50 games purchased in the last 12 months, I've observed the following. Every Geek Market purchase, including auctions, was fantastic. The sellers are... The sellers are board gamers who take great care of the games and all have had all components in better than described condition. They also list the additions and any details that is critical, such as Kickstarter stretch goals that might be included. For eBay, this has not been the case. I have had missing pieces and the descriptions are awful. On eBay, I almost never have an idea of which edition is being sold and the real condition unless it is new. For me, the risk is too high on eBay compared to Geek Market and especially compared to auctions. The ratings on the Geek Market for the sellers are far more accurate. Now, I will say, Johnny, I agree with you as a buyer. I think you can get better deals on Geek Market and are probably going to get better quality games. As a seller, I think eBay is going to give you more exposure and you're going to get higher prices. But that's why as a buyer, you should go to Geek Market because the prices are going to be lower. So it really depends if you're a buyer or this a seller. This doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, so all buyers should go to go to eBay and all or no, no, all buyers should go to Geek, Geek Market and all sellers should go to eBay. Yes. Well, but that's fine, but there's going to be a lot of people who go to eBay because it's easy. And that's the thing is you get this critical mass of people that go to eBay where even like we know about Board Game Geek cuz I use it quite often, but you guys don't go to Board Game Geek at all, right? It's a bad website. It is a bad website. I, I go to Board Game Geek. <laughs> How often? Is, I like it. it. Like... I love the information on it, but its formatting makes my brain hurt, and yeah. it's hard for me to use. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a niche within a niche, so not a lot of people yeah. go there. Where eBay, it's like a first stop when you think about buying something from someone else. It's the first place you go. So it is a seller's market on eBay. On Geek Market, it's a buyer's market. I would also say if you're looking for something specific, eBay is the place to go. If you're looking for like one magic card or just the Kickstarter exclusive figurines from a Simon game, that eBay is more likely the place where you can go to just get those things, just pick them up piecemeal. Whereas um, Geek Market seems more like I want to get the whole game experience. Yeah. And and I like I said I have bought a few games from Geek Market. Um, I typically don't buy games from other people online. It's this compulsive thing. You're a where seller. I have. Well, I barely sell games you want it either. New. <laughs> but I just want to. <laughs> yeah, I just want to buy it shrink wrapped. I want it brand new. Darn it. So, all right, last one, Fletcher, and this is a twofer. Okay, so this is on uh, board game media. So Tim says, one more board game podcast YouTube channel that I don't think was mentioned is Shut Up and Sit Down. Their reviews are incredibly insightful and absolutely hilarious. They have their own uh, convention in Vancouver every year called Chucks. S H U X. Yeah, I have. I ha- don't watch them often, but when I do, I'm always entertained by them. Um, they kind of remind me of like No Pun Included, but it's it's a couple guys that are they're hilarious and and they do really have good insights. So it's comedy and insights all in one, which is it. Those are good forms of reviews. It's I like when you can watch reviews and you are entertained by them, even if you're never going to play the game. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one from Jerry is, just wanted to share 
that the best playthroughs, in my opinion, is Ant Lab Games. A couple that kill it in production value while doing playthroughs. And kill it is in quotation marks. Yeah. So now I'm going to have to check out a couple of these playthroughs to see what he's talking about there. <laughs> All right. This is our episode. Um, it was an I, episode. It was an episode. <laughs> that's going to be our sign up from now on. And that's our episode. <laughs> Okay, I don't really have anything major to announce. I still don't know about Gen Con and Origins. We will be there. Um, I know that I'm going to teach you Arkham Horror. There. I will be there. I'm going to teach Arkham Horror. Um, I think I'm also... Oh, there was another game that is on my list that I need to bring as well. Uh, oh, Anachrony. Yeah. So um, I already have a few games scheduled to be played. I'm looking forward to that. And, oh, we're bringing Zachary to Origins as well. So I think we're even bringing my mother. Ooh. Yeah. So we're bringing my mother to watch Zachary. Wow. And, but we're going to get her a badge. So, because she, she's all like, what goes on at these things? I'm like, it is the craziest <laughs> thing. You're, you're just, oh, but we'll, we'll keep you <laughs> Have safe. Have you ever been Origins to a Van Halen? Origins is a great concert. first con. <laughs> Origins is, yeah. Yeah. It's just like Van Halen, only with board games and loud. <laughs> <laughs> More lasers. Um, I think Origins is the best first con for people to go to. I agree. It's big enough that it's like you can get out there and see a lot of what's going on, but it's not Gen Con where you're like, ah. Well, in the last three years, though, it has been Gay Pride as well at the same time. I don't know if that's (laughs) going to be this year. So then Saturday morning, like around noon is when the parade's over. Things are usually very sparkly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They go straight past the convention center. So um, I'm looking forward to Red Mom, though. So that'll be fun. All right. I guess that was more than I thought I had. You can follow us on Facebook at slash Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Twitter is Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty's Lawful Good Mon. Fletch is Net Fletch. Me, I'm Game Master Chris. Also, all these links are in our show notes all the time. So if you just don't listen to me, and but you're kind of curious, just go to the show notes and click on it and you'll be right there. TabletopGameTalk.com slash Patreon is where we get money to be able to host all this stuff. And we would love it if you went there. Um... Table- oh, wait, this is your part, not mine. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons. Adam Harrison, The SGC, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Michael Ohl, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Wang, Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Lingoret, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong. Christopher Vincent, Nate, Vaz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Salander, Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Wesley Trailer, Tim Verning, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wachowiak, Barry Peterson, Emil Jewell Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Brady Meltzer, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, and Stephen Judd. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. Okay, new D&D session this weekend. You guys in? Yay! Yay! New microphones. Kitty's doing the editing. We're going to be wearing headsets like losers. <laughs> and we leveled up. And you leveled up. I have spells. Yeah. I'm and so I, excited. And I think by the time this episode drops, the last two episodes of our first adventure will be on Patreon. <laughs> sure.
We Finally. believe you this time. Hey, it's just so many projects and I keep adding more for some reason. But all right. See you Saturday.